Hello, and thank you for listening to the From a Room podcast. I'm Turner Ward. I'm the host. Today we have on Orion Holsey. I am very good friends with Orion. We met at Arkansas State University at BB in the theater department. I do have to preface this episode that we will be saying some explicit words. So if you cannot take that, then I would recommend clicking off now. And another episode that would be good for you is Houston. We have a podcast, which I really love listening to where they are pretty clean. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the From a Room podcast. I'm joined here today by Orion Holsey. Um, who was from Searcy, Arkansas. That is correct. Um, so you just recently graduated from college. And what was the whole experience from getting out of high school, graduating, into a more generalized study? Well, really, my adventure into college started off, I mean, obviously, I graduated high school. But I really had no idea at that point what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So... I was looking at local colleges, trying to find out what would be affordable for me, and I started going to ASU BB, really cheap school, um, had a full ride scholarship and all that, um, but you know, fresh out of high school, you know, every kid dreams of being free, quote unquote, you know, all that, mm-hmm. and so rather than attending my classes, you know, being the responsible student I was, you know, throughout high school and everything, I was going to parties, I was focused on all the wrong things, getting myself into different kinds of trouble, and um, really kind of messed up my academic journey from that point on, so everything sparking from that was really just me catching up to where I should have been, mm-hmm. but um, overall, um, really my journey was just f- trying to figure out what I was really passionate about, and so I went to different subject areas, because I knew at some point deep down I wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. I just never really quite got a grasp on what it was that I wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, went to art because I've been drawing and stuff throughout high school. Didn't really feel like it was my place. Went to English, tried that out for a little bit, hated it. History was the same thing. Until finally, a um, certain professor on the BB campus um, literally looked at me and said, like, Hey, you're coming to the theater program. I looked at this man, I said, ain't no way in hell you're getting me on stage. And he said, a word? Bet. And um, not even a month later, I was a theater major. (laughs) (laughs) I was in that program for the final year and a half of my uh, college uh, tenure at that school. And uh, I graduated my associates in uh, fine arts theater. Nice. So how long did it take from starting at BB to going... Uh, to finally going into a theater major, was what was that time like gap? Like in terms of like how long it took? Or yes, I started at BB the fall semester of twenty sixteen. Okay, and so I became a theater major at the end of twenty eighteen, I believe. It was either the end of 2018 or 2019. I can't remember. My mind's like all over the place. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it took a solid two, two and a half years to figure out what I wanted to do. Okay. And then at the, I know that you were an RA. How did that come alive? Like, were you an RA going into it or? Oh, just... no. Um, 
when I first moved onto campus my freshman year, mm-hmm. um, there were a couple of my old high school buddies that I didn't know went to BB mm-hmm. that were RAs. And so I got to hang around them for a little while, kind of really see what an RA does. And I thought to myself, if I were to be more responsible, mm-hmm. I could do that. You know, no problem. <laughs> and then um, my girlfriend at the time became an RA. And then I really got to be like shadowing her with everything that she did and whatnot. And so whenever she had graduated while I was still, you know, catching up to where I needed to be in my academics, um, she put in a good word for me and I applied and I got a job for it. So nice. it's taught me a lot of um, self-accountability and responsibility along the way. So it's been nice. So let's go into the early years of Orion Holsey. Oh, God. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably because you've told me uh, some of your story in the past, but what was it like growing up around Heber? Oh God, where do I begin? <laughs> like, did, were you born there? No, I was actually born in Searcy, oh. but um, I was raised in Heber. Um, one of the three or four black kids in the entire school is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, growing up when you're a kid, you don't really notice racism. Like, obviously, like, it can be there, but you're too young to really acknowledge what it could potentially be. Mm-hmm. I never really faced a lot of um, problems from the fellow students. Like, we were all buddy-buddy and whatnot for the most part. It was really the parents and the older um, population of Hebrew that really gave me trouble, if they ever did. Um, it got to the point where, like... Um, my mom would actually take me to um, work with her when she was working at Walmart because she couldn't afford to put me in daycare at the time. Mm-hmm. And so she would be getting looks because, you know, white woman, black kid, racist town, you know, people are going to be casting judgments. They're going to be staring. Mm-hmm. My family was ready to fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was to almost to the point where it was on site with some people. Mm-hmm. So, whereas, yes, I faced a lot of things growing up and I didn't realize it. Um, my family kept me rather well protected from it when they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, man, my, my childhood was, I'm not going to say it was bad cause it really wasn't in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. but it also wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. Um, with different divorces going on in the home, I was out running. I, I call it running the streets. It, it's Heber Springs. There's no streets yeah. to be running. But the you know the only street you got has like two car dealerships, a Walmart, <laughs> and like a Burger King. Like, that's it. Dude, no, for real. Um, the house I lived at, um, a two-minute walk down from the road, right? Mm-hmm. You had a KFC, you had a Taco Bell, and a McDonald's. Yeah. Like, literally not even two minutes from my house. So, when I say run in the yeah. streets, I was more than likely going to go get some food and play <laughs> basketball down at the park. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, um, I was just doing anything and everything under the sun. Just really throwing caution to the wind because I'm thinking, you know, I don't fucking care at mm-hmm. this point. You know what I'm saying? Like... Mom was too busy, you know, putting food on the table, you know, trying to support her and I, mm-hmm. which at that time I resented her for because I never really had a lot of consistency at home. Mm-hmm. But as I've grown up and matured, I realized she was doing what she had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a lot of making dumb decisions. You know, I was drinking in middle school. I was smoking. I was dipping, you know. 
making a lot of bad choices that would have led me down a path that probably wouldn't be <laughs> the greatest to be going down on. Yeah. And so finally, it took me to about my freshman year of high school, and I finally decided, you know what, this isn't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I called up my aunt and uncle and said, hey, um, is there any kind of way that I can move in with y'all and kind of get like a fresh start? And um, they basically adopted me. So that's mm-hmm. when I started going to Cersei, and that's where I graduated. Yeah, and you met some cool people along the way, I think. Uh, decent people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You met a person. <laughs> <laughs> a couple. Yeah. And then, uh, so, going back to where you said that your uh, mom and your family <clears throat> kind of, like, protected you, when did you start to realize the, how do I phrase it? Uh, the racial. Yeah. <laughs> people being. Dumb. Yeah, people being bitches at um, this point. When, when did you realize that, and when when did you realize that that is reality, basically? Well, I always had a thought that things were, like, weird. Mm-hmm. Because, whereas I recognize I didn't look like everyone else around me, that really mm-hmm. confused me a lot. And so, I want to say it was around third grade third or fourth grade, my mom really sat me down. I was like, look, this is who you are. And I know that it doesn't sound fair, but this is more than likely how you're going to be treated at some point in your life, if not all your life. Mm-hmm. And so I really started then having to look around and like kind of see what exactly it was that she was talking about. Mm-hmm. And for a while it didn't really click until I started playing um, sports in like elementary and middle school. Mm-hmm. Had a had a guy on the football team. Um, everyone at the time like fucking hated this guy, but um, I would always have to guard him on like our practices and whatnot. And every every time we would start a play, he would call me a certain word that you probably shouldn't be well, you shouldn't be saying at all. And um, I sat there and I had to ask my mom about that. She's like, "Yeah, I know. If anyone calls you that at any point in your life, you have all the right to knock their ass out." Hmm. And so, every time he did it at practice, I wouldn't block him. I would stand up and I would kick him straight in the dick. (laughs) Because I knew, I knew he was one of the only couple kids on the team that didn't have a cup. Mm -hmm. And so, with that knowledge, I looked him dead in the saw and said, Nah, B, this ain't it. And just, straight in the dick. (laughs) But, um, it got to the point where, like, I started to develop, like, a no no tolerance kind of attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. Um, in middle school, I actually uh, <laughs> almost knocked a kid's jaw completely loose. Mm-hmm. Um, he called me a, a word um, before school had let out. And so I told him, you know, meet me outside. You want to talk about that? Meet me outside. We can we can talk about this. So we got into a fight. It started off with like some pushing and whatnot, general middle school stuff. Mm-hmm. Then we started, you know, actually like swinging for the fences mm-hmm. We get broken up. I get, you know, in school suspension and all that. I get home. I'm running errands with my mom. His mom calls mine. He's like, well, did you know your boy did blah, blah, blah? And my mom looked at me. He's like, oh, Ryan, what did he do? I looked at Shane and I said, Mom, <laughs> he said this. And my mom look, got back on the phone. She's like, yeah, if your son wasn't a little shit, you know I mean, he wouldn't have <laughs> suffered the way he did and hung up. So <laughs> it, 
it was just a weird process really trying to figure out like why I was the way I was and why I was going to be treated different. And it's still like a struggle to this day. Like I still do not fully grasp why it is that people believe and feel the way they do, (laughs) but it's not really my place to really figure that out. (laughs) I'm just here to do me. So moving from Heber to Cersei, what were the difference? What were like the main differences you noticed? Oh, off top the diversity. Um, I was actually intimidated because really growing up, all I've ever known was a Caucasian majority, (laughs) which, you know, there are still plenty of Caucasian kids at Cersei High, but, you know, a lot more African-Americans than I had ever been exposed to. So it was a little bit of culture shock, if anything, to really be like, oh my God, you know, this is part of my community. This is kind of like a home. (laughs) But at the same time, I was shunned by that community because according to them, I had white mannerisms. I talk white, (laughs) which how you talk like a, excuse me, like a certain race doesn't make sense to me in any regard. (laughs) But... In Cersei, I started making friends that actually, like, gave a fuck about what I wanted to be in life, where I wanted to go. And um, having that and having a consistent support system at the house I was living at really pushed my um, means of success to where I am right now. How has music influenced your life from a young age to to now? And how has it changed throughout the years? Okay, um, growing up, music was just a way for me to kind of just escape everything that was going around, because with everything that was going on at home, with school, like, just with my life in general, I really didn't have any, like, real source to turn to, so instead of vocalizing, um, just straight up, you know, what I was going through and all that, I turned to music. Um, and the music didn't really have to, like, pertain to, like, my situation at all. It could have just been anything, right? Excuse me. So, like, for example, um, growing up, my first stepdad that was really around since, like, when I was born, um, he had me listening to, like, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, um, Def Leppard, you know, stuff like that. So... Classic rock is like my roots. That's where it all really started for me. Then um, that persisted up until around middle school. I started listening to um, old school rap, hip hop, and some modern stuff. Um, really was a big fan of um, Bone Thugs and Harmony, um, Tupac. Um, listen to a lot of Lil Wayne and Eminem. I know, like, nowadays, they're like, oh, you know, why? <laughs> but, you know, around that time, they were what was popping. So, then, oh my god. <laughs> then everything changed when, um, I got to middle school. Um, because, you know, everyone has their first emo band. Everyone has their first, like, screamo band or whatever. Mine was not the greatest. <laughs> Um, I get to middle school and this girl named Courtney that I went to school with in Hebrew was like, oh my God, have you ever heard of Black and All Brides? I said, no. Would you like to show me a song? And it was at that moment she showed me, um, the most scene kid metal song called Knives and Pens. 
And when I tell you that this, like, this fucking music video was so budget, <laughs> it was bad. But, you know, little angsty me was like, yo, I fucking love that shit. <laughs> and I thought to myself, like, I really heard, like, for the first time, a metal scream. And I thought to myself, I want to learn how to do that someday. And so, really, from my freshman year of college and on, not college, freshman year of high school and on, I um, started teaching myself how to scream and stuff like that. Started listening to more, a, a larger variety of metal groups until I really found my all-time favorite group, uh, Motionless and White. And um, I listened to the vocalist, his name's Chris Cerulli, his vocal technique, and I thought to myself, yo, I want to emulate that, but kind of, you know, make it my own. So I really started to play around with my sound, and I got to the point where I was like, I can't quite get close to his, but I'll take the foundation that I have and just build something off of that. So for the last five, six plus years, I've been screaming, so. What do you value in life? Um, <laughs> damn, we, we just getting deep. Okay. Um, above all else, I know this is going to sound cliche, my family, really. Um, we don't, I don't communicate a lot with them. Um, really don't know why that is, but at the end of the day, I'll do everything under the sun for that family. Like, I'll go to war. I don't, I don't care. You don't come between my family. Don't come down to my friends. Like I am a hundred percent passionate about those in my circle. But outside of that, um, one of the things I've always wanted to do was be something for children that I never had. Right. So growing up, aside from like music and whatnot, um, my educators throughout my life were my main source of consistency. And that's where I learned not just, you know, my schooling lessons, but a lot of life lessons. And I want to be able to give that to someone else's kid in the future. And plus, you know, growing up, <coughs> even today, I've never, it could just be, you know, the area that, you know, I live in. But there's not a lot of black male educators around here. Yeah. And I want to help break that mode and show young black men that, hey, you can literally do anything you want to do. So who, it, who makes up your family right now? Right now? Like, are you talking... <laughs> <coughs> Damn. You're talking about just, like, who I live with or when I say what, family? Like When you say family, who are you directly talking about? When I say family, it's my grandma. This is all on my mom's side. Um, not really close to my dad's side of the family. Um, it's my mom, my aunt, uncle, little cousin, and my grandma. That's uh, that's my unit right there. Your favorite musical? <sighs> you say you're a theater kid. Uh, what the fuck is your favorite musical? <laughs> okay, I say I'm a theater kid. I was kidnapped into the theater <laughs> program. There is a difference. So you're not more of a theatrical type. <coughs> uh, hold on, back that up. So you're not more of a musical type. You're more of like a 
play into. I enjoy yeah. both, yeah. honestly. Um, I've never really watched a lot of musicals. Um, this is probably gonna catch me a lot of flack. Um, the two musicals you will catch me watching at any given moment. <laughs> this is gonna. I can already feel like people like silently judging me, if not like yelling at me. Um, I really fucking love the first High School Musical. I mean, it is a classic, though. To this day, I have the entire soundtrack on my phone at this moment. <laughs> I was bumping that on the way here. Yeah. Um, but wow. that and uh, Sweeney Todd. Both classics. Like, even Disney Channel recognized the High School Musical is a classic already. I'm telling you, like, High School Musical is so successful. Not even a year later, they dropped High School Musical 2. Yeah, and they were just... And then that was even, like, went even higher. But we don't talk about number three. No, number three, they were like, mm, I mean, like, we gotta end it at some point. Yeah. So, let's do it in the shittiest way. On possible. God! But let's have tr- let's portray teenagers having a mental breakdown in the most flamboyant way possible. Oh yeah, I did like the car scene though. That, that's With uh, a classic. Troy and uh, Chad. Yeah, they're they're in the car. So yeah, that that bit. That well, number was the best out of the entire movie. Yeah, it was well choreographed. And then, like, the silhouettes that they yes, did. Yes, yes. That like, that's something I would love to do. Okay, so when do you start at A-State? That is a very good question. Um, they, um... A-Sub kind of, like, fucked up my entire transfer process, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, they just received uh, my transcript, and they started reviewing it. So I should be notified within a week, maybe two. Okay. So it's not going to be, like, you're not starting back tomorrow. No, I am not starting back tomorrow, this week. I still got some time to, like, fuck around. Not really, like, fuck around, but, you know, take care of business and all that. Yeah, so you might start in the fall. I would prefer not to, but if that just so happens to be the case, then yeah. Well, I mean, we're kind of... It, everything kind of starts tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but like the thing is, is that Isn't there um, a spring too. Situation? Yeah, yeah. There's a definitely a spring too, and the thing is, is like, um, even though yes, I finally got admitted. Like, well, not admitted. I got everything submitted late for reasons that I don't want to get into. Um, I talked to our transfer officer on the campus, and they said, yeah, as long as you know you got what you need to, you got everything submitted. There's no reason why you can't be a student this semester. So, so how was that? So, going in from like the theater, to, did you know that you could do the transfer process up to A State with the theater program, like going into it? So, that that's the crazy thing. We didn't have the two plus two program with A State until last semester or the semester before. So. I really just got extremely lucky with that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you should be one of the first to kind of yes use that process. Exactly. One well, a year's time, I will need to help <laughs> that information. <laughs> Hopefully, I won't get fucked over. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it was definitely a process. Because well, I mean, it is a new thing too. So you yeah. gotta 
Oh yeah, like I don't blame. Well, I, I I do blame some of them because I set up an appointment to you know discuss exactly what I needed to do, how to do it, um, and some of the transfer officers like yeah 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 we'll have a Zoom meeting this date and this date. I was up hours before the meeting because you know the way they do it, they'll email you the Zoom link and then you'll you know convene. Mm-hmm. Waited hours, no link. Waited a couple more hours. No link. I called. I sent emails. And then finally, three hours practically after my meeting was supposed to happen, I get a meeting. Well, I get an email from uh, one of the transfer officers. Say, hey, I'm canceling our meeting because I forgot about it. And I said, I said, fuck. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it's not like this is like my future or anything right now. So uh, <laughs> fucking thanks. But, um, I finally said, fuck it. I'm going to do it on my own. And so I did as much research as I could talk to the Dean of Students and whatnot, talk to whatever faculty I could that wasn't that specific officer. I was like, yo, I am ready to do this. I have just about everything I need. How exactly do I need to go about doing it? And they told me what I needed to do. I went through the process and now I'm just waiting. So when was when when did you first set up that meeting? That was mid October, maybe early November. Okay. So it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> and then so <coughs> so when that two plus two uh, kind of idea came up, or when the agreement was signed. Was that like, okay, yeah, I'm doing that. What, what, oh, hold on, let me backtrack it. So before that was in place, did were you thinking that you were only doing the two year or were you actually going to do the full four years? Oh, no matter what, I was doing the four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but with just about every college student, the concern was finances. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going to afford it without taking out like an excessive loan? Mm-hmm. And so... When we signed the 2 plus 2, they're like, yo, you can finish up here at A-State for the price that you're paying at BB. And with how, you know, um, affordable BB is, I said, that right there is exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. So whenever we announced that and signed it, I latched onto it as soon as I could. Okay, here we go. Here's the question I've been that I've been wanting to ask every single person, but I just keep on losing the note. How has the world changed for you since March of 2020? Oh my God. How do I answer that? Because at least in Arkansas, that's when COVID really hit. Oh yeah, that's when everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, In all honesty, this is probably going to sound so bad. Um, It really didn't affect me all that terribly. Um... Really, the only thing that it really, like, messed up for me was I had a BTS concert to go to. And for anyone who knows me knows I'm an absolute fucking BTS stan. I don't care to admit it. Like, I am one of them people. It even says it on your hat. I have a beanie on right now. My fucking jacket is a dynamite jacket. Like, I, I, I eat, sleep, and breathe BTS at times. Like, I, I'm sorry. But I had a concert... To go to for them in May. But in all seriousness. 
aside from some of our theater performances getting canceled and whatnot, I really wasn't affected all that much because I didn't care if I couldn't go out and do anything. I have a fucking computer in my room. I got a PlayStation. I got video games. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, oh no, I can't go out and do shit. I'm going to grind out League of Legends. Oh no. So, whereas, yes, you know, it kind of sucked to have some things closed down. Life wasn't really all that different. Like, growing up, I was either always outside or I was always inside. So, I was used to it. Did you stay on campus? Uh, Hold on. So, when COVID really hit, did y'all stay on campus? I did. Like, the whole, like, until the end of the semester? Um, they gave us a choice. They're like, hey, um, you can go home, you can get a refund on half of the cost or whatever you put down for your room. Or if you want to, you can stay on campus. Mm -hmm. Which, at that time, you know, being on campus, you know, up until that point, being around so many people, I didn't know if I was sick if I was a carrier or anything, I did not want to risk taking that home to my family because there's a, myself included, are high risk. So I was like, no, it's probably better for me and them to stay here for the time being. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the summer, were y'all still open on <coughs> campus or did you have to go home? Um, over the summer, I went home. Um... Still kept under, you know, quarantine guidelines and whatnot. Um, went to work, but if I wasn't at work, I was at home. And so, you know, stayed home, stay safe, wore my mask, because I care about other people. Wear your masks. Now, in the modern day of uh, political outcry and uh, our recent attack on our own Capitol Hill. Yeah, the fucking coup. Yeah. So... <laughs> How has your politics changed from going to a very, very, very southern school uh, to going into college and then now being a free agent in the world? I can say this with full confidence. I don't care enough about politics as I should to okay. give an opinion. I, I guess about like your views on how things we're fucked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. Trump was a shit show. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Biden is much better, but really it was like a lesser of the two evils. Yeah. Um. Now I'm just saying, you know, Biden might not be bad if he keeps his promise on, you know, wiping out some of our student debt. Because, I mean, if Big Papa Biden want to come through for a brother, I'm not going to say no. What kind of debt do you have? Look, homie, after my first semester of college, I lost 90% of my scholarships. I had to start taking out loans. I I don't have a lot of debt. It, it, well, it depends on what you call it. I'm probably like six to 8000 in debt, which in the grand scheme of things is not all that bad. Because either way, if it's not through Joe Biden, I can go through a... Um, loan forgiveness program with like teaching and whatnot because mm-hmm. as an education um, major and you know going into that career field 
um, there's a clause in the um, loans that you can that you take out that state that if you teach at a low income school for a minimum of five years, you can have your loan completely forgiven. So either way, I'm not worried. Yeah. In all seriousness, um, this is probably going to sound cliche as hell, but I am so sick and tired of people just arguing. 24-7 on social medias, you know, whether it be about political nonsense, you know, all the shit that's been going on lately. Just, if you feel the need to argue on Facebook or social medias, don't. Quite literally, nobody cares. Nobody. Well, at least I don't. Fuck all y'all. <laughs> but no, just, just be nice to one another. Don't be an ass. What is the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months and why? Okay, um, biggest surprise is actually my current girlfriend, believe it or not. So, I thought to myself, you know, toward the end of 2020, I said, you know what? I deserve to, you know, have at least one trip this year. Go have some fun. So, my best friend Caleb hit me and was like, hey... I have plans to go down to Louisiana for a day or two. Do you want to come with? I'm thinking to myself, road trip with my best friend? Fuck yes. So I you were about to go, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, no, so he and I go down to Louisiana and we have fun. We go to like magic shop. Well, not magic shops, like local game stores, get some magic material and whatnot. And so, you know... Me being the person I am, I'm on Tinder, I'm on Hedge, I'm just swiping away, my man. So, got a couple of matches, um, had some fun here and there. But, um, on our way back, I forgot to reset my location on Hinge back to Arkansas. So, we make it all the way to Monticello. <laughs> and I get a match on Hinge. I'm thinking, oh, shit, okay. Because in my mind, I thought I've already said it, right? And so I see that it says, like, this woman's, like, 20, 25 miles away from me. So we match, and we end up talking for a little bit. I'm like, yo, this girl's, you know, she fine as hell. She funny as fuck. And, like, I'm really enjoying talking to her. So, we, you know, we hit it off and whatnot. Then uh, she gives me her number. We start texting and whatnot. Then she finally hit me with that, so, uh, what college do you go to? And I thought to myself, like, wait a minute. So I went to her Hinge profile, and I saw that it said New Orleans. And I said... You should have just went, too late, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. I said, fuck. <laughs> and so, um, told her I lived in Arkansas and whatnot. But um, she was like, yeah, I'm just going to be real with you. I really like you. And I was like, oh, I mean, I mean, I, I liked her too. I was like, yeah, but, you know, I don't really do, you know, long distance. You know, it's never really been something I've enjoyed. Told myself I'd never do it. But um, we started talking for a little while longer. And um, I, I finally said, you know what, fuck it. You know, if I don't take the opportunity, you know, to like, Express my feelings and see where it can go. I'm probably going to regret it at some point. So, a nigga shot at shot. And she's like, you know, if you're willing to be honest and just work on it with me, I don't care. 
And uh, yeah, so we're together. Uh, we've been FaceTiming for about seven hours every night. Never running out of things to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so far everything's going good. Um, Caleb and I have made plans to like, go down to Louisiana because he has family down there. <laughs> so it'll be cool to like go down with him, see his family, see my girl every now and then and just come back. So everything should be fine. What is something that you think people misunderstand about you? Oh, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I really don't feel misunderstood a lot. Um, hmm. that's a very good question. I don't know because I've gotten to a point where I really just genuinely don't care about my public perception mm-hmm. unless it's time to like, you know, go up for employment and all that. Like, amongst my peers, I really don't care. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. I don't care what y'all think about it. So, maybe people may think I'm a, like, wild badass all the time. Maybe, like, oh, he's living, like, the fucking life. No, I sit in my room and I play video games for hours on end and contemplate all of my depressing thoughts. (laughs) But no, man, like... I don't know. I never really feel misunderstood. Thank you guys for listening to the From a Room podcast. This has been episode one with Orion Holsey. Is there anything else that you would like to say or promote before we go? Um, I just want to say thank you for having me on the first episode. Like, it is an honor to, you know, be a part of this. Um, if you're interested in a D&D podcast... You can follow Nat Wonderful on Instagram. That is N-A-T, the number one, and uh, Wonderful. Um, We'll have the rest of our social medias linked down. Um, And yeah, our first episode airs on January 13th, so keep that peeped. But aside from that, just be nice to people and live your best fucking life. And hopefully this will come out before January 9th, 13th. 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 Well, fuck, that's in three days. That is in three days. That's not a lot of time. (laughs) Good luck. Fuck.